happens when heaven meets earth. When the eternal collides with our everyday lives. When an all-powerful and living God comes face to face with our circumstances. God shows up, the impossible will happen. Our hearts and situations will be completely changed through His encounter. Hey church, welcome to week four of Encounters. Wherever you're tuning in from, welcome. You belong here. You don't have to believe what we believe to belong with us. You know, members of our church are from all over the world, and all it takes is for you to connect with us by email or on our website or Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, and just say hello, and we would love to connect with you. And right after service, we have our Zoom hangout where you can meet us with no pressure and just get to know us and see if this is a church you want to be part of. Maybe you're joining us for the first time I want to tell you that we've been praying for you, that you would join us today online, and that God would encounter you in an amazing way. You're not tuning in here by accident, but God has orchestrated everything this week for you so that you could be right here with us right now. You're stepping into an atmosphere of faith, and when we have faith in God, anything can happen. Amen? Put it in the chat. Get ready. Next Level Church is a vibrant, spirit-filled church. We're making history for Jesus. We have a youthful attitude, and you can belong with us no matter your age. And uh, this is not your grandma's sleepy church, but she's welcome, though. This is a church where you can get involved, and it's an experience, really, to be part of our church. And we show up every week eagerly anticipating to see what God is about to do. God is going to do. We have faith, and we prepare with their excellence And we show up here and we leave room for God to move in a mighty way. I hope during this series you have been encountering God in fresh ways, making time to be with Him alone in prayer. And I hope that you're putting away, you know, all the fanciness and role-playing and everything and just coming to Him simply, not performing, but just coming as you are. Matthew 6 verses 1 to 6 says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Underline that, amazed. They were impressed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. Ha! He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Wow. One minute they're impressed with Jesus. You know, mm, lower lip of approval. mm. And next minute they're mad at him. It is possible that you could be amazed and offended at the same time. You can be entertained and upset at the same time. You can be watching online church and be astonished and be upset at the same time. I might just get all up in your business today. Verse 4, Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. 
Anyone here ever been dishonored by a relative? Anyone here ever been rudely treated by a family member? Verse 5. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles. Jesus, the Son of God, couldn't do any miracles? He couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Today, I want to talk to you about the encounter killers. How do we encounter God in church as we gather together corporately as a family, as a church family? And what limits us as a church family from moving in the move of God? Why do we put on so much effort in these online experiences? Back in the day when we used to get up so early and drive to church, have arguments. You know what arguments are? And uh, your kids uh, spill their juice in their clothes. Or like the moment you drive out of your uh, parking lot, the one child has to go pee. They forgot to go pee or they forgot to put the dog to pee. And they had to drive back home. Did I lock the door? All of this thing that you go through and then speeding to church and you're praying and speeding. I don't know how godly that is. A church member calls you on the way and they're like, Fluffy ate marshmallows. Man, I'm like, why are you giving marshmallows to your demonic cat? Don't do that. And it's freezing cold outside and somebody's stuck in the snow. But you cannot stop to help. You're like, I got to go to church because I got to go feel the love of God and receive. But And then you're like, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be the servant of God and help people in need. But then I'm rushing to go to church. Feel like a failure as a follower of Christ. Anyone can relate? Why did you go through all of this effort to get to church? I want to talk about the encounter of God that happens when we gather together in the house of God. As we gather together as a church. But there are some obstacles, some challenges. Number one, comparison trap stops us from encountering God's move in our lives and in the church. Pastor M and I, our favorite place to go is the Cheesecake Factory. So before it came to Yorkdale Mall, we loved to go to the closest one, which was in Chictawaga, USA. We would cross the border just to go eat there. It's almost as we're saying, as if we're saying, nothing in our hometown is as enjoyable. Anything that we really want or enjoy is outside of our hometown. We easily fall into that trap of looking at what God is doing over there in others. It's good to acknowledge and celebrate and observe and and do all of that. But sometimes we fall into the trap of comparison. If you're feeling down, just get on Instagram, start scrolling for a couple of minutes. You will feel worse. Oh, wow. Oh, look, he's got some new shoes. Wow, so wonderful. Oh, custom shoes. Oh, wow. Man, I've been wearing these Bata slippers for the last 10 years. Oh, wow, look at her. She she got a new car or a new dress. Oh, wow, look at that. They, they bought a nice house in Hawaii. Wow, God must be blessing them. Favor of God. And I don't even have a bed to sleep in. I'm sleeping on the floor. No mattress because the dog peed on the mattress. How come God is doing all of these wonderful things in their lives and, and not any of it in my life? We get trapped comparing what's happening outside of our hometown to what's happening inside it. You can really trust what people are putting on Instagram, right? Because it's, it's genuine, it's true, it's legit. People don't lie on social media, right? Everyone else's life is so awesome, except yours. Or so it seems. It's scientifically proven that after five minutes of scrolling through Instagram, you actually feel less satisfied about yourself. Whatever satisfaction level you were at before, 
it takes you down a notch. This comparison trap starts to rise up in us. There were some spiritual gifts that I was longing for, but God never gave it to me. But he gave it to other people. I really wanted the spirit of laughter. I was like, God, please give me the spirit of laughter. I want to like belly laugh. I want to like roll around and laugh and uncontrollably in the joy of the Lord. Uh, How come you're giving it to other people, God? I want it so bad. It seems like God is giving that gift and other things to other people and not me. Anyone can relate? It appears that most of the time what God's doing is in other people's life. God's moving somewhere else in someone else's life. Did you ever cry out to God and say, Hey God, have you forgotten me? I need a miracle, God. I need some help. God, I could really use a raise. God, I could really use some peace in my marriage. God, I need a breakthrough. I need a healing. Can you hear me, God? Can you see me? Today's passage. Here, Jesus returns to his hometown. The place where he grew up. People knew him as a kid. Can you imagine what Jesus would have been like as a kid? I like to think of him like he would have done some pranks. For example, if his soccer ball fell in the ocean, he would have just walked over uh, or split the sea and picked it up. If the storm came about, he would have been like, Silence! I kill you! If his mom told him to, you know, they're running low on bread, can you go get some bread from the store? Jesus would have been like, Amma, give me the bread, I'll multiply it for you. Or if his mom was like, Son, we're running out of juice and guests are coming. Uh, Jesus would have said, Amma, Mom, can you get your other children to fill up jars with water and then I'll do a little trick? Coming back to the story, there's a major problem at his hometown because for the first time in the Bible, it says he couldn't do any miracles. But all throughout the Bible, we see that Jesus is the miracle working God. He's working miracles everywhere. His power, miracles power is at work. It says that everyone that came to him got healed. Signs, miracles, wonders, everything he was doing. He was getting popular. He was building a reputation and he comes home to his hometown in his own backyard. Verse 5. He couldn't do any miracles. Wait a second. They were amazed at the way he spoke. Wow. Jesus. Mm, good work. Wow. That was fire. They were amazed at him. But it appears that amazement was not enough. I wonder in the church, could it be that we've gotten really good at amazing people. We want to make sure the service is as amazing as possible so that you will tune in again and, and you'll come visit us again. We want to impress you. Otherwise, you don't like the church. Otherwise, you might leave a bad review. By the way, go on Google and leave us a good review uh, for Next Level Church. Have we gotten really good at entertaining people? Have we gotten too preoccupied with entertaining people? But impressing people is not the goal. Let me say it another way. Church is dry and dead without Jesus. Our life is dry and dead without Jesus. When God is not moving in the church, it's draining. We can do everything to enhance it, to market it, to promote the church. But if we miss the move of God, it's all pointless. God wants to encounter us personally and corporately as we gather together as a body. Why don't we see more encounters when we gather together? When the believers were gathered together in the upper room, you know, maybe they were heartbroken. Maybe they were a little sad that they, that Jesus, that they believed in is not crucified and dead. But the power of God, the Holy Spirit shored up like a rushing wind, like a mighty earthquake in the upper room. As these believers were gathered together with one heart, 
the revival broke out. The encounters showed up when they were gathered together in faith. The church was born out of a divine encounter, not in a strategic planning meeting. You may have your life mapped out to the T, but you need an encounter to step into the abundant life Jesus has for you. And that's an ongoing thing. What is an encounter? We've been in the series for four weeks now. It's a move of God. When I say move of God, some of you might imagine back in the day, you know, spending the whole day at church, screaming and rolling and strange things happening. And maybe some of you got traumatized by that. And maybe that's why you don't attend church anymore. But hey, I'm not talking about that. That's not the move of God I'm talking about. Let me tell you what a real move of God is. It's simple. An encounter with God is when you experience Him and you end up different. You have an encounter and you're changed. Whether small degree or big degree, doesn't matter. That's what God wants you to experience regularly. This is what encounters are all about. Not just being amazed. Wow, great word. That was fire. Service was amazing today. Oh man, it was off the hook. But then you go back to your hometown the same way and nothing's changed. You listen to the preaching online. Maybe 10 preachings in a week you listen. But you go back to usual routines the same way. Nothing's changed. Isn't that the disconnect, the distance, the disillusionment we have? We have moments of amazement, entertainment, but nothing's really changing in the hometown. All this head knowledge and no heart transformation is no good. Jesus doing all these miracles all over the place, but in his hometown, it wasn't happening. That's concerning. Yes, we want to do everything with excellence. We want to make people feel welcome. We want to run the church as best as possible. We want everybody to have an outstanding experience online. Even with good intentions, we can get it all twisted and and focus only on the outward things. You know, we get busy with life and, and school and careers and even busy serving in the church, busy ministering, but running on empty and miss the timely divine move of God. God is not looking to do a visitation to your church or to your life once a week. God wants a habitation in your church. God wants a habitation in your life. Sometimes we get trapped into consumer mentality. We want the church to cater to us the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it. Even if the church was able to impress you and amaze you, you can be amazed and still walk away without a miracle. The verse here says they were amazed, they were impressed, but then they got upset. They got offended. When you look at different translations, you see all those words. I believe 2021 can be your best year yet. If you do something different than you did in 2020, none of us want to go redo 2020 again. Make a decision to change now so that you can Go and grow and glow for Jesus and step into that abundant life. Just like how Jesus spoke to the woman at the well last week. We talked about that and challenged her to tweak, to make a change, a small adjustment. And she got it and she turned her life around and she literally ran with it. God wants us to move in power when we gather together, not just talk about it. So how do we do that? Listen up, put your popcorn down. It'll be there after the message. Take some notes. Expect God to encounter you. Even if you're wearing a a Chewbacca onesie, doesn't matter. 
Point number two, impressed but not engaged. It's two completely different things. You can be amazed by something but not engaged. Last year, I took my son Zach to the auto show and there were some really phenomenal, impressive cars. And my favorite was the Land Rover Defender. What a fantabulous truck. Wow, amazing. It's like made out of dreams. I absolutely loved it. And Zach, he loved the Mustang Mach-E or Mach-E or Mach-E, whatever you want. He loved that new electric Mustang. We left the auto show. We drove my same old car. We drove there with my familiar car. Drove home with it. Talked about how amazing those cars at the auto show were, but didn't drive home in a different car. I'm wondering if this is how many of us view God. We're like, wow, God, he's so amazing, man. I'm so impressed with God, but we're not engaged. Just like how we were amazed and impressed with all the cars at the auto show. They look so impressive. Look, it's got all these cool features and gadgets and power. Do you have it? No, no, no. But that, that model has it. We talk about what God can do and we talk about who God is and how much he loves us, but there's no engagement. We've experienced how amazing God is, but maybe we just haven't engaged with him. Maybe on a consistent basis. Jesus isn't a magician to be impressed by. He is a person to engage with. When we say we're amazed by something, that promotes the spectator attitude, the spectator mentality. In other words, we're saying, let me observe what's going on. Let me just sit back and observe what God does. This type of attitude could possibly explain why God has not done anything in your life. Because God is not looking for spectators. He's looking for people who actively engage in what he is doing right now. We've been so, we've been so busy spectating that we forgot that we are part of his move. God's move. That's what's happening in this passage. They had collective unbelief resulting in collective missed miracles. But how do you get to collective miracles? That's what we want. How can we go from a car we are impressed and amazed with to a car we engage in? How do we go from a car we watch to a car that we drive? Impressed but not engaged. This verse says they were amazed and offended. How's that possible? Any of you watch sports? How many of you scream at the TV when the game is on? You're convinced that you have better ideas and strategies better than those professional players and the coaches. And you're like, no, man, what the heck? What was that, man? What did you call that a pass? Man, come on, kick the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball, whatever it is. Just do it, man. What? Oh, man. As if we sacrifice more, trained more, strategize more, equipped ourselves more, we really think that we're more qualified than those professional players and coaches. Like, I know better than you. No, we're just screaming at our our TV, eating our popcorn. It's easy to criticize what you're watching from home while eating popcorn. It's always easier to criticize when you're in spectator mode than when you are in engaged mode. I discovered this is the case with Christians. Spectator Christians are the worst critiques of what God is doing. So they sit back and watch what God's doing and then criticize it, judge it, downplay it, discredit it. And maybe instead of having so much time spectating, 
we should occupy ourselves with engagement. And if you were engaged in what God is doing, you wouldn't even have time to spectate. You don't have to do God's work. God's a good judge. He can handle it. Maybe you became a harsh critic because something traumatic happened to you. You went through a pain or someone said something that hurt your feelings. Or maybe disappointments. Then the enemy comes and amplifies those small hurts. And then we give in to bitterness and jealousy and become sour. If that's you, you can lay it all down. All your burdens, all your pain, all your disappointment, you can lay down at the feet of Jesus. There you will find rest for your souls. You can make the divine switch today. Number three, familiarity breeds dishonor. To honor someone is to respect someone. In this passage, Jesus is saying there was no honor for him because they were familiar with him. Ah, it's just JC. We know JC. He's the wood, woodworker's son. The familiarity robbed him of honor. And where there was no honor, there was no respect. They gave no respect to who he was. Sometimes in church, we forget the importance of honor. Our church is incredibly good at honoring the pastors and each other and team leads. They're so good at honoring one another. And they're so good at honoring God. Like who he is. Jesus is not your home fry. Jesus is not your religion. But Jesus the lover of your soul. The only one who can save you from eternal damnation. The one who conquered death, hell and the grave. And rose again victoriously on the third day. Jesus is not a, the popotum in your rice. He's not the cherry on your cake. He's not your vitamin. He's not someone that you run to when you have a nightmare. He's not someone that you run to when you have a need. Jesus is the savior of the world and he's the savior of your soul. He's the solution for the problem of sin in humanity. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He's the living water. He is the oasis that you've been longing for. He's still undefeated. His name is above every other name. And at His name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus Christ of Nazareth is Lord. This is the Jesus we're talking about. He is still almighty. He hasn't lost His love for you. He hasn't given up on you. I think we got familiar with him. My children, I have fresh encounter for you every day. Where are you, church? But, but, but Jesus, we're impressed with you. We just got a little distracted with our work and study and raising a family. You know, you know how it is. But you're amazing though, Jesus. Props to you, cheering you on. Woo! We're amazed by you. Jesus is not looking for you to be amazed by him. But he's looking for you to honor him. Some people say things like, I'm so angry at God. What? What? Did you just hear yourself? How can you be angry at the, at the most powerful being in the universe? The only one who can save your soul. The only one who knows your inside and your outside and still loves you unconditionally. Mm. You know what happened? Familiarity. We get used to God. We come to church familiar with the format. Oh, we're going to sing a few beautiful songs and the host is going to come and the announcement and then the giving talk. In the middle of the service, they'll say, oh, greet someone. I oh, mean, I don't want to do that. So I try not to make eye contact, uh, you know, act busy. Preaching time comes and pastor's hair and jokes are unusual. But uh, overall, pretty impressed. I'm amazed at this service, at this church. I'm amazed. I'll, I'll be back next week. 
and I'll uh, bring some friends and see what's up, you know, see what's going on next week. We go through the motions, but there's no honor. I've been in ministry for decades and operating in the same purpose God has for me, the calling, the anointing is still the same. But you know what's funny? People, now give me some R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's so funny. People respect me now just because I'm older. Before, they would discredit me. They'd be like, oh, you're just a kid. Oh, you're the guy who does all these pranks and comedies. Oh, your sister's Jenny's nephew. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. See, this is where we get it mixed up. We actually think it's people. No, the anointing comes on someone. We honor God on people. We don't honor that person. Some of you have a hard time honoring people in the government. Some of you are really angry with the politicians and people in power in the government. You got to stop that because that's against what the Bible says. You can honor the position because the Bible says that the authorities that exist have been established by God. So we will honor because God tells us to do so. We don't honor someone because they're rich or they are famous. We honor the anointing that is on them. And if you get familiar with the person, you'll miss the anointing. Listen to me carefully. If you get familiar with the person, you will miss the anointing that is on them. You will miss the anointing that they have. Oh, it's just Pastor D. Oh, it's just Pastor M. Oh, oh, we know them. Careful. One day you can be impressed with me and the next day you can be offended at me. But don't miss the anointing God has for you. You cannot receive from an anointing that you do not respect. If you respect an anointing, then it's not hard to receive from that anointing. If you honor the anointing, you will be blessed by that anointing. But if you judge and condemn that anointing, how can you receive anything from it? Receiving requires humility. Until you humble yourself before the Lord and believe that He is willing and believe that He's able to help you, nothing's going to happen. You will not receive the things you need from Him. As long as you judge, as long as you disrespect those whom God anoints, you will not be able to receive anything from their anointing or from their ministry. In Luke 7, the story of the centurion, I'm not going to get into it, but to quickly illustrate the point, he had a sick servant. And this centurion's faith was so great in Jesus that he says, Jesus, don't even bother coming. At your word, my servant will be healed. This centurion had complete faith in the authority of Jesus over sickness. Now you contrast that with Jesus' own hometown people. They had no respect for him whatsoever. In Nazareth, he could do no mighty works. In his hometown, he couldn't do any miracles. But because the centurion respected Jesus and his authority, and for the authority of his word, his faith activated the power of the anointing on Jesus. And his servant was immediately healed. Careful. You can hate my fashion, you can hate my hair, but don't miss the anointing God has for you. It's the anointing of God that breaks the yoke of bondage. This might just be what you need today. This might just be the miracle encounter you've been longing for. So be careful. Make sure there's a move of God that comes to your hometown. Because the last thing you want is to be impressed and have no miracle. The best marketing tool is the power of a changed life. When someone comes in chains and walks out free, 
That's the best method. That's the best marketing. When someone walks in with bondage and walks out delivered. When someone walks in sick and leaves healed. That's the best publicity you could ever imagine. Number four. Faith that moves the hand of God. Jesus couldn't do any miracles in his hometown. Theologians who studied and researched this passage, they concluded that the proper way to define this passage is not that Jesus could not, but that he would not. Okay, hang on. It's one thing if Jesus can't, okay? But it's totally a different thing if he won't. Jesus, what do you mean you won't do it? What do you mean? I got needs, Jesus. We need healing, Jesus. We need you. When are you going to show up? Come on, Jesus. You're taking too long. Can you hear the familiarity in those complaints? How dare we approach the king of kings like that? In other places, people would run to Jesus, fall at his feet and, and wet his feet with tears, bring their hurting and sick and and. And it would be full of acts of humility and acts of faith. But when he came to his hometown, they were impressed. But they did not come. Because to come to him, that would mean that you are placing your faith in him. But because they were familiar with him, they did not honor him. And because they did not honor him, they could not come to him. So all of them left, except for a very few who got the miracle because they believed. Jesus would not do any miracles in his hometown. In a place where people did not freely, willfully come to him, it would be against God's character to do a miracle for people that are not asking for it. When you come to him, that demonstrates faith. Faith is the key that unlocks the power of God. Faith is the key that moves the hand of God. Faith is the key that gets you into the movement of God. Faith is the key that helps you to step into that miraculous moment. To walk in the supernatural because faith says, God, I'm desperate for you. God, I am broken. God, I'm running to you. Jesus, save me. Faith says, I have an issue, Jesus, and I'm running to your arms. Faith says, God, our family needs you. God, we just went through a storm with our children and then it looks like another storm is coming up. God, we need you. Faith says, God, I thought I beat this addiction, but I gave into temptation and I'm coming to you, Jesus. Faith says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. I will be delivered. I will be saved. But familiarity says, hmm, I'm impressed. This is that woodworker's son, right? Good word. Good word, home fry. Pretty good series, eh? I'll share the link to my homies and we'll tune in again next time to see what's up. Good entertainment. Jokes are not bad. Yep, not bad. Keep up the good work, hey? We're we're amazed. But at the same time, we're offended. Every week, a lot of people tune into online service. They're amazed at what's, what's happening and what God is doing. But at the same time, they're offended in their hearts. Pastor Em and I, we love you and we want to be straight up with you. If you are harboring offense in your heart, you are limiting the power of God from moving in your life. It's toxic. You're upset and angry at God and letting bitterness grow in your heart. It's only going to damage you. Today, choose to let it go. 
Yes, they hurt you. They turned their backs on you. They rejected you. They took advantage of you. But for your sake and your future and your calling, today choose to lay those burdens at the feet of Jesus. Otherwise, you're limiting your divine encounters with God. God will not force himself into your life to bless you. You got to choose to run after him. You got to choose to confess and repent and trust Jesus, whether you're new to the faith or whether you've been a Christian forever. Jesus will not override your free will to give you something you never asked him. The key to the move of God in our church, the key to the move of God in our homes, in our lives is humility. And it says, God, we need you. We are running to you. We give you our hearts. We believe in you. We have faith that 2021 will be a better year, God. That you have a miracle for us. That you are working something out for us. You're going to bring breakthrough and healing in our lives. As we place our trust in you. As we honor you Lord Jesus. With our hearts. Not just with our mouths. That you will pull us out of poverty and small thinking. And break generational curses as we trust you. Lord I believe in you Jesus. I believe Jesus you have something for me. Put it in the chat. I believe Jesus has something for me. Verse 6. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus could not do any miracles there. Because of their lack of faith. What's happening in them is affecting the place where they are. It's not just them individually. But it's affecting a region. Their lack of faith is affecting a region. Because they didn't have faith. There was no move of God. This is why sometimes we don't experience the move of God in our churches. But when we gather together, it's because, oh, maybe the pastor didn't pray. Or the pastor didn't uh, scream loud enough. Or he didn't fast enough. Or he didn't do his devotion. No! The reason we're not seeing the move of God is because we... Check this. All of them were affected by all of their unbelief. In the same way that all of them would have been affected by all of their faith. What you do affects me. What I do affects you. Let's stop playing games. You might be wondering, what's so important? What's the big deal about being connected to a church? This is where the faith is. Wake the faith up. You can watch it at home and not engage online or in person when we open in person. But there's something supernatural when you get committed into a faith community like our church. The church, next level church. There's something about being in the presence of God. There's something about being where the presence of God is. There's something about hanging out with people who have faith for the greater things. Faith that God is about to break through. Faith can be contagious, you know. God is waiting for your yes. I'm wondering if today you will allow Jesus to come into your heart. If you've already done that, I'm wondering today if you'd have the audacity to have faith for the greater things, for the greater miracles, for the divine encounters, deeper encounters he has for you. Because he's not going to give it to you if you don't ask him. Let go of this familiarity. Say yes to Jesus. No matter what faith level you're at, he's waiting for you. He's longing for you. He's pursuing you. You only got one life to live. Choose Jesus. Go deeper. Have an encounter. Today's your day. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, on the count of three, I want you to respond. There's going to be a button that pops up. It says, raise a hand. I want you to click that. The Bible says that if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that He would save you. Today is the day of salvation. Don't delay. 
come to Jesus with a humble heart and say, Jesus, I need you. So go ahead. One, two, three. Click that button right now. We have virtual prayer rooms where our team can pray with you right now. If you're watching us on Sunday morning, I want you to repeat after me to welcome Jesus into your heart. All right, here we go. Lord Jesus, I believe you are God. I believe that you died for my sins. Lord, wash me by your precious blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. My life is no longer my own, but I give it to you. Lord, I repent and I choose you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Don't do life alone. Connect with us. We want to resource you. We want to assist you. We want to come alongside you because life on this earth is not easy. And following Jesus is the best decision you could ever make. But when you have a faith community like a church alongside you, you can overcome the impossible because Jesus is with you and he's for you. I want to pray right now for those of you who are frustrated and you're longing for more of God in your life, to go deeper, to have those radical encounters and go further in God and to be no longer limited as you apply some of these keys that we've been talking about in the last four weeks. Let me pray for you. Put your hand on your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you. Lord, I lift up every single person with their hand on their heart. Father, I thank you that you've given them a desire to go deeper. I pray right now that you remove every spiritual blindness. Father, open their eyes to the supernatural. Lord, let them see you. Let them feel you. Let them encounter you in a fresh and a new way. And God, we pray right now that as a church family, that Father, that we will not expect the pastors or the leaders to be on fire all the time or to do the work for us, but that every single one of us will come prepared, that every single one of us will love you more every day, that we will walk closer with you, Lord Jesus, so that when we come together, it won't just be one log uh, just burning in the distance, but we will come together like a bonfire in Jesus' name, that we can increase the fire together, and that, Father, that you would do signs, miracles, and wonders, even at a greater level in this year, in 2021. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We love you. We will see you next week. It's been such a privilege hanging out with you today. What an awesome time. We would love for you to join us on our Zoom call happening right after this online experience. The link will be put in the chat right now. And we would love to just, yeah, for you to come and say hi and hang out with us. There's no pressure. Ask us any questions you may have. And we will see you there. Until then, and until next time, my name is Sindhu. And hope you have a great week. God bless.